Good morning. <clears throat> this is uh, our Duck Dynasty service. It's wet. <laughs> uh, I've been told we need this, and since I'm not a meteorologist, I'll just go along with that. Um, I, just a couple of things I want to make you aware of. Uh, one is, if, if you are not currently signed up in any way, uh, we would like to ask you to do that today. In a, in a little while, we'll during the, the offering time, there'll be an information card that you can fill out. Every Wednesday, I do an inspirational 30-second call. Would love to, to be able to speak to you, so we can't do that without your number. And uh, so if you'd like to sign up for that call, sign up individually. You can't sign up as a family because your wife will get it and you won't. And you notice I said wife because usually the women will be the one that sign up. So... Uh, every one of you sign up. Also, uh, you may have noticed, if you haven't been on the website, you wouldn't have, but uh, we now have a podcast of the worship experience. And um, so that's available now, and uh, just go to the website, and you can, uh, uh, every week we'll be, we'll be posting that on the Mosaic Church OKC social media site and my uh, Facebook and social media sites. So we'd love to make that available to you. And that's thanks to our worship leader, Zach, who uh, is just a jack of all trades. And uh, I, I listen, I actually listened to it because he kind of just made it sound really cool. It made me sound better than I really was. I, I was like, wow, this is great. And uh, so anyway, you can do that. Well, today we're going to continue the series entitled, It Is Not Good. There are things that <clears throat> in life that don't help us, don't benefit us or anyone else for that matter. And uh, the, the subtitle is, it's not good to be hasty in any area of life. Not good to be hasty. Quick to judgment, quick to decisions. Um, I had five kids and, and I, four of them were five and under. And so I, 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 love, I had a love-hate relationship with Christmas. You know, any assembly required whatsoever is a challenge for me. And, and how many of you know you can't buy anything fully assembled anymore? It's boxed up, and there are screws, nuts, bolts, washers, you name it, they're in there, and they're numbered or lettered or whatever. And, and really, they force you to read the instructions, and I despise instructions. It's like, I can put this together, I can figure this out. And really what that is, is it's a hasty approach because I have put things together that I had to take apart because there was something missing that was supposed to be in there. You know what I'm saying? So it's not good to be hasty because if you and I are hasty, we oftentimes end up going backwards and doing the work twice. And so I'll get into more details as we go forward. If you would turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 19. This has always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Again, a love-hate relationship with this as well. It says out of the New International Version, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Uh, how many of you know that God's not to blame for the issues of our lives. God is the solution for the issues of our lives. And uh, I've heard people say more than once, well, God this or God that. Well, the reality is, first off, he told us in the world you'll have tribulation, take courage, you've overcome the world. So 
God didn't leave us surprised that, that there would be difficulty and challenges. Now, out of the Message Bible, it says, ignorant zeal is worthless. So some people say, well, I've been busy, I've been busy, I've been busy. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. We, we need to focus on what we're doing, not just be busy doing something. I could ask today, what do you expect to get at Mosaic Church this morning? Well, I don't know. I just, just came to church because that's what I do. That's great. I'm glad you're here. But what are you expecting? Because this is kind of a busy thing. You got up. It's we flash flooding and all this stuff, and, and yet you're here. So what, do you come, what did you come expecting? What's your focus today? I mean, this, is, this could just be busyness unless we have a focus. It says, haste makes waste. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? I love the Message Bible. It speaks my language. I think the translator's from Berry Hill. Uh, to be hasty means to act or decide too quickly and without due deliberation. An honest man was, was being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy boulevard. Suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> the tailgating woman hit the roof and the horn, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the intersection. As she was still in mid-rant, she heard a tap on her window and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a holding cell. After a couple of hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with all of her personal effects. He said, I'm, I'm very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, flipping off the guy in front of you and cussing a blue streak at him. I noticed the Choose Life license plate holder, the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker, the follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker and the chrome plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. Naturally, I assumed you had stolen the car. Sometimes we give people a reason to be hasty. But too often in our lives, we, we live life by a feeling. And I, and I believe in feelings. I used to not believe in them so much, but I do believe that emotions are a part of the whole makeup that God gave us. And I believe that they are effective. And I believe that if you're going to weep with those who weep, you have to have a sense uh, of emotion and, and to laugh with those who laugh. So emotions are good, but they're not a great guide, which is why Jesus said, I'm going to leave another with you, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will help temper things in our lives that will prevent us from making mistakes that uh, are not productive for our lives and other people's lives. So the very first point is being hasty is a sign of impatience. It's a sign of impatience. I, I just can't wait. I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you are the type of people that when you shop, you, you just can't help yourself. 
You know, it's just like, I got to have it. I got to have it now. And then there's somebody that says, well, this is our last one. And if you don't get it, it'll probably be gone. I take that as a sign of if it is gone, it probably was not meant for me. But we too often succumb to the pressure of making decisions before we know the will of God, before we've waited on the Lord. And there's like, I have like policies, like 24-hour policies where if, if I see something and I really, 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 really want it, but I haven't prayed about it, thought about it, or counted the cost, that I'll back off and say, I, I got to make sure that this is, this is really what, what I need, what God would allow me to have. Uh, you say, well, why should God be involved in every purchase? Really? It's like, because, because I need to know if this is the, the best thing for me need to know if this is the best thing. Uh, I don't always even like the answer that God gives me. You know, even sometimes, I mean, it's, it's don't like it. And so we, we usually, when we do that, we, we find someone who will agree with us. And I'll get to that point in just a moment. But there are times in life where you just have to back up, back off and say, God, I'm going to wait on you. Let me define patience, which is the opposite of impatience. The ability to bind oneself emotionally and intellectually to an idea or task that needs to be completed. So a person who's patient is the kind of person who says, you know what, I'm going to bind myself emotionally and intellectually. I'm going to connect to this regardless of how long it takes or what it takes. So impatience, the opposite, you're not connected, you're not bound to it. And as a result, we get in our flesh and we do whatever we want. And, uh, Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Key here is wait for the Lord. Wait, 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 wait. Sometimes we just need to press the pause button in our lives long enough to go, you know, I'm just going to give this some time. And what makes this very difficult is you can now spend money sitting on your sofa used to you had to go out but now we got amazon prime (laughs) ready and waiting on us when we see something on tv i gotta have it and we go online and before you know it we have bought it they're shipping it tomorrow and we wake up the next day going oh jesus Or you wake up to your spouse who says, I'm going to kill you. What were you thinking? See, patience doesn't mean that you like what you're going through, but you choose to do the right thing. Patience means I am connected to the right thing over my thing. I want what God wants over what I want. I want it in God's time, not my time. Sometimes you go out and, and you buy something that somebody wants to, is waiting to give you, the very thing that you go out and buy. It's happened before. Right? You go buy something and say, you know, do you, do you have one of these? And you go, well, yeah, I just bought one. They go, oh, I was going to give you one. Please, if you're ever going to do that, don't tell me you were going to give me something I've already bought. Just walk away. <laughs> it's depressing to think that I jumped the gun and bought something that somebody was going to bless me with. See, sometimes we just don't realize that waiting can be the greatest 
blessing ever. You guys have heard me tell the story. If you've heard, ever heard me preach of the, you know, the, the woman who says, my biological clock is ticking. I got to have a man. And she had a list when she was 18. And the list went from 50 things she wanted in a man to zero. Just give me a man. She lost her patience. Guys, same way, lost their patience. What's well, close? It's pretty close. It's really close. But how many of you know really close is not the bullseye? The bullseye is, is this is what I'm believing for. This is what I want, and this is what I'm going to wait for. An ounce of patience is worth a pound of brains. Just an ounce of patience will do more for you than the brilliance that you possess. Just say, I'm going to wait. Take time to think is an act of patience. How much time do you sit every day and just say, this is my thinking time? Does anybody have that factored in? I have these times where I just sit and I'm not going to do anything but think. Because you know what? Really, you think you think, but really your thought, you don't think. You don't breathe, you're breathed. So the reality is we have to make an intentional effort to sit down and think because the Bible says the man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the question is, what are you thinking? So there are times in every day that if you just pause and say, this is my think time. Now, this is really a tough exercise. Some of, some of us might be better off to try to run a few miles than to sit down and think for 15 minutes. Well, what do I think about? That's between you and God. And sometimes when you start thinking, you'll realize your mind is racing and running somewhere. What do you want to think about? What do you think about? Because usually, I don't know about most of you, but, but you remember, this is really dating me because I'm sure nowadays all these things are digital, but I had a cousin who had a doll. I didn't have a doll. My cousin did. Because <laughs> if you had a doll in my neighborhood, you didn't live long if you were a guy, Okay. I guess it's okay nowadays. It wasn't okay my day. <laughs> you barely got by with hanging out with your girl cousin who had a doll. But you remember that like when you laid the doll down, you remember it'd be, the eyes would be open and the coolest thing was when the doll laid down, it closed its eyes. I'm just the opposite. I can be standing up with eyes closed and when I lay down at night, my eyes open. And my brain starts thinking and pondering and considering and wondering and, and all of it. That's not a good time to think. So if you sit down during the day and say, I'm going to take time to patiently think. I'll give you some clues. Think about what made the day wonderful. What's going to make the day wonderful. If your thought time is in the morning, start thinking about things that are positive. Things that are going to bring encouragement to you. Think about those things. The, the, the Philippians four things. Think about those things. Those, those things that are good and just awesome and incredible. And, you know, just think about those things. Just start thinking about them, writing them down. Get your mind focused because when you do that, there will come a peace that will squelch the impatience that comes with fallen humanity. I mean, I have to fight this every day because we're sitting, we're a beautiful facility that we meet in. But then I'm starting to think, okay, the day's going to come when we're going to need a facility, we're going to need property. Uh, 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 uh. Now I go, hold it. I'm just going to get up and preach and have a good time. That's all I'm going to do. 
Another sign of patience is not just taking time to think, but asking questions instead of making statements. I'm not a real good question asker. I'm a good statement maker, but I have become better. When I'm having conversation anymore, there are times now that I'll say, okay, how many questions have I asked? Ask yourself that question. Start with that. How many questions have I asked during this conversation? Because a lot of times, we never ask a question. We're, at the end of the conversation, there are times I go, I didn't even ask that person one question. What do you think? How do you feel? What would you do? And you say, well, I really don't want to know. Then you're going to have zeal without knowledge. <laughs> because knowledge comes through interaction and communication and dialogue, not you and I making statements. So ask yourself the question and maybe start this tomorrow. Don't do it today. Think about it today. Start it tomorrow. When you get in a conversation tomorrow, ask yourself, how many questions can I ask? How are the kids? How, how is your job? How is the car? How is the family? How is golf? How is fishing? How is whatever? Ask the question. People love to talk about themselves. If you want friends, all you have to do is ask a lot of questions. Write ones. Don't ask them how much money they have in the bank and what they're willing to do to help you. Not the kind of questions I'm talking about. But ask questions. Intelligence can be a two-edged sword. It's easy to quit after failure because we're not as good with second chances as God is. So we create the opinions of God into the image and likeness of our thought life. We, we have to recalibrate in order to experience what God has for us, recalibrate our thinking. Because sometimes you say, well, I screwed up here, so God's done with me, or I messed up there, and God's probably not gonna help me because I, I didn't spend my money right, and you get fixated on what you didn't do right instead of what Jesus did right. So I have to recalibrate my thinking from time to time because it's not all about me, it's not all about you, it's all about him. And if we focus on him and, and we, we begin to say, God, what do you want me to do? Not Instead of saying, God, I need you to do this. God is not your butler. And matter of fact, every now and then they say, God, what are you thinking right now? And people say, well, God's silent. Typically, God's not silent. We're just not listening. So I think God talks all the time. That's how come we have 66 books in the Bible. If he's not saying something audibly, open the book, because God's speaking. God, what are you saying about this issue? And now with all the computers available, iPhones and all that stuff, you can Google, I'm not Google, you can search for anything you want to search for. What does God think about this? What does God think about that? Instead of saying, God, I need a car, I need a job, I need a wife, I need a husband, I need a wife, and God's going, you know, I know what, I know what you need before you ask. But why don't you ask me what I think you need? Because that requires patience. And we're impatient in a society where we can Google whatever we want. We think we, we, we've got it figured out because of Wikipedia. And we don't have it figured out. Listen to this. Our haste won't make an elevator go faster. This is, you ever get on an elevator and the door closes like forever slow? Then you hit a button and it's still not moving. Lights on, elevator's not. Click, 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 click. And you start clicking the same button that the light's already on. It's not like three clicks makes the elevator go faster. 
This is not like your car. The button is not an accelerator. So we wait patiently. Now, I do my own laundry, which just doesn't bother me that much. Except when the dryer says one for five minutes. It's like, you know, you're washing in this minute. I go in there and it says one. And I'm like, why, why isn't this done in a minute? It's five minutes. What's the one mean? Why did they do that? And stand there and I watch. I used to watch it. I'm like, okay, it's almost done. It's almost done. Five minutes later, it's not done. I'm thinking, I'm ready to pull this wet stuff out, put it in the dryer. Guess what? Not once has my standing there sped the process up. I don't know if any of you have these issues. I'm sure at least one or two of you do, that you share these with me. You're still saying, you, you, you know, the pot will never boil if you watch it. It seems like an eternity because we're in such a hurry. Like right now, some of you are sitting there thinking about where you're going to go eat and what time I'm going to be done. You ain't thinking about one thing I'm saying right now. You've already, okay, we got to go. Jesus, I punched my Jesus clock. I got my church clock punched. I've been here. I did this. Now, what's the next thing on my checklist? Problem is we have too many checklists. Now, some of y'all don't have any at all, and you need some. Because you, you don't have a bucket list, checklist. You don't have anything. Grocery list. Then there are people like me. I got a list for everything. <laughs> and I got I to sometimes put the list away and say, okay, Lord, I'm just waiting on you to tell me what to do. Because I get hasty. I get in a hurry. And I just don't know. I, I, and I'm old enough to know better. Being hasty is a sign of ignorant zeal. Now, ignorance means you don't know means I'm not aware. So one of the reasons we read and one of the reasons we come to church and one of the reasons we listen to podcasts is so that we can have our memory jogged, our minds challenged about one thing. Some of you will walk out of here with one thing, some five things. Some of you will walk out of here and forget you were here. (laughs) You won't even have a clue. It's like, what's, what's he talking about? Well, what is your mind engaged in right now? What do you want to learn? What, what, is it that you, what is it that you want to learn? Because nowadays you can learn. You don't have to go to the library anymore. I mean, you just, you, it's just right at your fingertips. And uh, I'm reading a book right now about a lady who went to China on a mission back sometime ago. still alive. It's quite a story. And, uh, but I'm just reading it, and I'm just trying to learn, okay, how did she do this? She was told she couldn't do it. She was told not to do it. And I'm just thinking, what drove her? to this place she couldn't shake it and there are things that you just that it's like why would anybody want to do this and sometimes God said I just want you to wait on me I want you to learn in the waiting process because waiting without learning is kind of an exercise in futility so in the process of waiting add to that learning while you're waiting learn now the younger generation that's coming up younger than some of us they're really good at doing homework before they do anything they're on the they're on the computer and nowadays in a debate somebody just asked siri i love irritating siri it's so fun just ask you know just when you leave today just ask siri who jesus is and ask her if she's saved you'll get all kinds of answers from siri It's fun messing with Siri. Ask stupid questions. It's just fun. But 
dinner times in the middle of a, a debate, I, you know, like the other day I was asking, there was somebody, I said, well, how old is somebody? I didn't Google, Siri, how old is so-and-so? Pops up. And you look so smart. Just go to the bathroom before you do it. Walk in and say, look, I know how old they are. Just don't even think about telling people that you Siri'd them. That they just got jesus You know, I mean, I just figured this one out. And so get knowledge before you get moving. Get knowledge before you get moving. Get, learn something about what you're thinking about, what you're waiting for. And this, this can take time, but listen, it can add another month to your life. Listen to this. Add an extra month to each year. This is going to help you. Think you could benefit from a 13th month, 13th month? Here's how you get one. Simply wake up an hour earlier each day during the work week. Pause. Nobody's excited about this. Are you kidding me? That will give you five hours per week, 250 hours per year, divide by eight, assuming you have an eight-hour workday, and you get 31 days extra a year. Any takers? It's just that, (laughs) no, I'm getting up. I don't want another month. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get mine down to an 11-month year. I'm not enjoying life. I want to cut it short. Know what you will do before you do what you will do. Because here's why. Time really has become our greatest commodity, even more so than money. We still have 24 hours in a day, but for some reason, it seems like we don't even have that anymore. And so this younger generation really doesn't care so much about money as much as time. They just don't, and it's probably smart. Baby boomers, baby builders were taught, do, 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 produce, sun up to sun down. At the end of the day, you better have sweat on your brow and calluses in your hands. That was the baby builder, baby boomer generation. Generations now are not all about that. Matter of fact, they're using their time to gain knowledge. And if currency or money comes, that's okay, but that's not their primary pursuit. You can ask any millennial Gen X. Now, there are always uh, groups of people in every generation that want money, but the reality is, is that money is no longer the prize. Now, Bob, don't get mad at me, because this is about golf, all right? And, and I was recently golfing with a pastor in Austin. He and I were talking about the game of golf. I've been playing since I was a kid. My dad used to take me out. It was the only thing my dad and I did together was golf. And uh, so I actually, when he died, I got his golf club because that was what connected me to my dad. You know why? It took a heck of a lot of time to play golf. I mean, when you play golf, you're going to commit. Typically, especially if there's someone in your foursome that thinks they're going to go pro because they're gonna line up every putt and they don't even know what they're doing. They just watched on television, see a guy bend down, look over the putt. They don't have a clue how to, how, to, how to look at a green, read a green. They just know that you're supposed to bend down and they got all the stuff down, but they don't know what they're doing. Okay, so I played golf with one guy, six hour rounds, I'll never play with him again. It's like, dude, you're crazy. 
Golf is on the decline in America. That reality has finally smacked us in the face like a two-by-four. The number of core American golfers, those playing eight rounds or more per year, has fallen between three and four and a half percent every year since 2006. Since 2007, the number of golf courses closing in America has significantly outnumbered the number of new courses being built. This downward trend in American golf is even making its way to the professional level. In 1986, American golfers made up 60% of the top 100 players in the world golf rankings. By the end of 2010, Americans made up only 32% of the top 100. Upon viewing these numbers, most immediately feel that uh, feel that two by four off their faces and cite two main causes, cost and time. While those are certainly two of the main factors, I would contest that the cause of the time, of the time issue is particular, in particular is actually the, the one. If not the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems when it comes to the decline of, decline of golf in America. Now, the, the proof of this is Top Golf. If you've ever been to Top Golf, let me tell you why. Because at Top Golf, in the summertime, you got air conditioning blowing on you in a covered area, and you can eat food while getting up and knocking the socks off a golf ball. It's changed everything. Why? Because we're no longer feeling that the investment of time on the course is bringing to us what we want. Now, the game will always exist. There's no doubt about it. But the reality is there's been a shift in what we do. Why? Because people are pausing long enough to say, is this really worth my time? So, because you only have 24 hours in a day, that's all any of us have. So what are you going to do with that day? Now, this is important because you say, well, I'm going to get on with life. I'm going to live life. I'm going to do everything I can. But what if God said there are things I want you to do that you haven't even paused long enough to figure out? We just keep doing all the things that we've done without thinking about it. This is the way we've always done it. This is what we've always done. And some years ago, I I love to play golf, but I will only play golf with the right people. Let me tell you why. If I'm spending four hours with somebody, I better like them. I won't play golf otherwise. Because to me, it's a waste of time being out there with people I don't know because I'm never going to be that good. And I'm never going to make a living at it. So if you're not making a living at it, you got to think twice about it. I mean, but if you really love it and you feel like there's value to it, the value is determined by the time spent. Do I want to spend this much time doing this? That's how I I consider my life. Sometimes, guess what? You hang out with people that you really don't like being around, but you've been going around them for a long time and now you're bored stiff with them, but you don't know how to tell them you're not fun anymore. You say, well, that's rude. No, it's your life and it's your time. And sometimes you have to adjust along the way in order to have the life that you wanna have. Are you living the life that you wanna have? Or are you just hastily going through life? I'm impatient, I don't wanna take the time to do this, then sometimes you just have to pause because time becomes the big factor in our lives today. Are you taking the time to do the things you really wanna do or are you just ignorantly going through life? We need knowledge, knowledge is a good thing. We acquire knowledge. Matter of fact, Proverbs 24, three, it says, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful Treasures. So the rare and beautiful treasures in life are the result of the knowledge that we gain before we make decisions. 
knowledge is not just gathering data, but looking inside yourself and saying, am I aware of who I am and why I do what I do? Knowledge without grace and love often produces judgment. So when you're getting knowledge, be careful. There are people who get knowledge and they just want to share it. Now, if you're a high contemplator, there's a really good chance that you will read volumes of stuff just so when you get in a conversation, you're going to be smarter than other people. And everybody's going to know it. I don't know how many of you have those people in your life that, that you'll be talking about something and out of the blue, they will, they will take the conversation and run with it because they've been Wikipediaing this thing and they've got it covered. And the idea is knowledge is not for the sake of proving yourself, but finding out more about yourself, not proving you're smarter than everybody else, but just using knowledge to navigate life. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So knowledge without love is dangerous. So when I talk about getting knowledge, not being ignorant, the idea is not to get knowledge to prove how smart you are, but to get knowledge to help navigate life and not be hasty and finding out things that are going to better your life and help other people's life. Knowledge makes us responsible for what we know, which is why God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That messed everything up. Knowledge is very wonderful, but once you get knowledge of something, then we become responsible. So if you know you're paying too much for something, but you go ahead and do it anyway, maybe you want to stop. Say, I'm not going to overspend. I'm not going to do that. Because here's what Christians do, especially charismatic Christians like us. I'm going to exercise faith. And God says, but you have knowledge. Well, God will provide for the rest. We've got to have it. No, you don't. There's not one thing you have to have. People say, what do you, I've heard people say, well, I need this, I need that. You know what, I've come to realize whatever I need, I have, or God would give it to me now. Really, whatever I need, I have right now, or else God's not doing his job. And I just happen to think God's doing his job. So we got this building. I say, I need a building, I need a building. If I needed a building, I'd have one right now. And I do have a building, I just don't own it, which may be good because I don't have to pay insurance on it. And do all the other stuff. So I said, God, if I needed a building, I'd have a building. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if the Bible says God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, don't you think if you really needed something, you'd have it? Most of the time, what we're really saying is I want something I don't have. Because right now, today, I gotta tell you right now, I have everything I need right now. Now, I have a ton of wants. That it, it, you know, and you try to fool God with that, but God, you know I need this. God's going, really? And we try to explain 10 reasons we need what we really want. And so there's times just get knowledge, but do the right thing with the knowledge that you possess. One person said, all things come to him who waits, even justice. So let's talk about relationships a little bit. Because every one of us has been wronged in some way or the other, and we've wronged other people. It's real simple. You think you've never wronged anybody? And you go, but I've been wronged. Isn't that our focus is on always how we've been wronged? The reality is when I think I have to go, God, what have I done? Not what has everybody else done? 
and then we try to get God on our side. How many of you know, we try to get God in our corner. The more I try to get God in my corner, I think the more God leaves my corner. Because God, I don't want you in my corner. I want you to be God. I want you to be the person that is, that you are a person of grace and love. I don't want judgment. I want to wait on you, Lord, because I know if I wait on you, everything works out. I mean, come on, man. You've wanted somebody to be smacked before. Matter of fact, some of you came in here today wanting somebody to be smacked. It's like, God, and we get hasty with our prayers and lose our focus. When you pray, don't lose your focus. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. I look at the story of Jacob. Remember Jacob wanted Rachel. I mean, he was like all up into that business. Like, well, I got to have this woman. And he worked out a deal with her father. He said, you work seven years, I'll give you Rachel. So he worked seven years. And after the wedding night, you know, he says, his father-in-law, if you look at Genesis chapter 29. So he served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed, verse 20, but seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Look at the power of love. He said, I love so much that this time flew. So love really is the great medicator of time that helps us get through difficulty. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I'd like to know what they were drinking. (laughs) It's like, it's like, Come on, dude, can't you tell the difference here? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. There's probably no greater love story in the Bible than this one. 14 years. I don't know that I could love any person that long. 14 years. It's like, dude, I'd be looking at, I'd be looking at Laban going, I know people who know people. <laughs> But again, guess what love does? Love helps us to overcome haste. He said, I want her so much that I'm not going to try to speed the process up. Was I ripped off? Yes. Should I have been given what he promised? Yes. In that moment, sometimes when we feel like we've been wrong, we get hasty. Instead of waiting on the Lord and saying, Lord, if it's another seven years, it's another seven years because you'll miss the way. And lastly, being hasty may be the result of simply getting bad advice. Who are you taking advice from? Let me tell you what happens in all of our lives. We ask the people who are going to agree with us what their counsel is. <laughs> Let me call the people who agree with me. 
No, first thing to do is call people that might not agree with you. I don't like doing it, but I do it. What would you think? You know, the person who, you know, you don't want to call Dave Ramsey if you're getting ready to get a loan. Because <laughs> he's not going to agree with you. Now, it doesn't mean that Dave's right. It's right for him, and it's a principle that's worked for him and others. But at least hear what he has to say. Because I've got a friend who's an entrepreneur. He totally disagrees with Dave Ramsey. He's a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian. He said, you know what? I believe in using other people's money. <laughs> that's just, and there are two different approaches. You say, which one's right? Neither. The question is, which one's right for you? That's the question. So asking advice from people who don't know. Years ago in Tulsa, there was a D-League. The, the D-League basketball team was up there. Uh, and that was where they played. Well, they didn't have a real good gym. It wasn't like the NBA. It was just, these are the development league. Can we get a gym? And we want people to come. We'll make a little money while we're developing players. Well, they did research as to why they, they, were, they did a demographic research to see who was attending the games. And they found it to be very rare that there would be women there with children. And they were concerned we're not, we're not reaching mothers with kids. We're not, we're not seeing enough kids come out. We're not seeing women with kids. So they started doing the research and, they, and they, they, they finally asked. They finally asked the right people. They asked women. And they said, well, the reason we don't come to the game is not because we don't love basketball. We don't want to spend time with our kids at a basketball game. But when we come to the basketball games, the parking lot is dimly lit and we don't feel secure coming to the games because parking lot. You know what? They didn't do a survey of people who loved basketball. They did a survey of people that weren't coming to the game. So if you do a survey, why aren't people coming to the games? We all love basketball. This is the NBA D-League. Instead, somebody in the marketing department thought, we've got to tap this market, so let's ask the right people. Let's not just say, okay, we've got to to do a better job with a light show. We've got to have better halftime entertainment. You can do all of those things, and they still were not going to come. Ask the right questions. Ask a, a, a lot of different people. What would you do? There'll be times now I'll ask people who don't know one thing about church. Matter of fact, too many churches are asking Christians about how to build a church. Why don't you ask lost people? When's the last time you asked a lost person why you don't come to church? Can you help me? Because that's my next quest is, do you go to church? Well, if no, why not? It's too long. People are too excited. They, they speak in different languages. Sometimes we don't understand them. How many of you have friends who don't know God and you've never, all you've done is you've asked them to church. That's a great thing. Why don't you start asking, could you help me? What is it about church that causes you not want to come, to to not want to come? Ask that question. And you know what? You may never never have to ask them to come to church again if you answer their question about why does the church do this, why does the church do, and, and, and they give you the statement, and now all of a sudden they go, they feel heard, and, and you can address it, and maybe you build a bridge. Ask the right people. Sometimes we get hasty because we don't find the knowledge we're looking for because we're not asking the right people, and we get advice that we should not listen to. We get hasty. We get busy. You know, and, and I'm going to close with this. It's, it's not the closing thought, but it is now. 
Because here's the reality. There was a day that before we could be hasty and, and stupid, you know, remember the day that, that the only way you could communicate with somebody is, I mean, if they were out of town, you had toll calls. So if you dialed another zip, uh, area code, you dialed an area code, you, you were charged for it. Not anymore. You can call anybody anywhere, anytime, which means your potential to be stupid has just been sped up. And you can talk as long as you want. That means you can argue forever and not be charged for it. We didn't have social media, email. Now, if you're having an emotional meltdown, you can let the world know you're having an emotional meltdown. (laughs) Zeal without knowledge is not good, nor to be hasty and miss the way. I read things on Facebook that I'm going, nobody cares. Please do the world a favor. Think before you post, you moron. (laughs) That's our challenge today. Think before you speak. Think. Think. Spend time thinking. Spend time acquiring knowledge. Spend time. Pause a little bit. Don't have zeal without knowledge. Don't hurt someone just because you're in a hurry. Quit honking. Quit honking. Some of you need to disconnect your horn. You honking Christian. Pause. Lord, help us today to give time to our thoughts opportunity to hear others the wisdom to acquire knowledge so that our lives we're not spending our entire lives going back and cleaning up messes that we created that you didn't create we created so Lord I pray that you would help us today to surrender our lives our heart our soul our mind our will our emotions to you heads bowed and eyes closed just want to give you an opportunity today if you've not taken the time to say God I want to know you and I want to be known by you and I want a relationship with you if you thought through your relationship with God we just want to give opportunity every week for people to say yes to Jesus and if if you've not done that real quickly I just want to ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down say you know I want today thought about it I want to give my life to Christ and I want to be I want to be a follower of God say that's me okay let's all pray this prayer say Lord today I choose you I give you my life I repent of my sin and Lord I slow down today to just honor you and worship you amen